All right, this episode is brought to you guys by Paragon Recovery. Uh, I fully stand by the products. Their night gain supplement has helped me with my sleep immensely. Um, I go from sleeping like a baby when I take it to like tossing, turning all night, not really sleeping very restfully. And then uh, my whoop strap definitely shows the effects of taking night gains when I'm not taking night gains. Um, not only do they make great supplements, they're a great company that really backs up a lot of military and first responders. They were just down in the tactical games down in South Carolina, uh, supporting that event and really uh, helping to encourage not only uh, recovery, but also mental health, especially uh, in med- the veteran community uh, and in the first responder community. Uh, use the code Cronus15 for 15% off any uh, purchases you might make from off their site. And then if you're a military or first responder, hit them up directly for an additional discount. Uh, once again, Cronus15. Uh, so without further ado, uh, I'm going to get into this podcast. Uh, in this podcast, I really talk about uh, the book I read recently, uh, East of Eden. It's a pretty good book, actually a really good book, um, and made me really think about a lot of different things. Um, so I wanted to share some of my thoughts on East of Eden and some of my takeaways and conclusions. All right, guys, here we go. What's up, guys and girls? It's Bobby coming to you from Jersey, um, back home. Last week, Sean and I, we headed up to Boston and New London, New Hampshire, uh, up to Colby and Sawyer College, where we uh, spent a couple of days with the Northeastern University men's soccer team. It was kind of a great experience. Uh, Sean and I kind of sat down with the team and had a little uh, couple of sessions with them. The first session we had, we did a, a PT session where we did like some uh, death by burpees to kind of show them um, and kind of build some teamwork and some uh, mental and individual uh, resiliency. Essentially, uh, we just wanted them to test them physically and see who would quit first and allow the players to see amongst themselves who were kind of the natural leaders and then for the coaches to take a look at who they thought they wanted uh, to take on as leaders for the this season, and they really kind of figure out where their uh, team sat in terms of a lot of leadership potential. Uh, so we did like death by burpees, um, some grass drills with like the typical smoking, touch the fence, um, and then moved into a classroom session where Sean and I actually talked about some of the tenets of leadership that we thought were important to impart to these guys. Uh, after that, we talked a little bit, or I talked a little bit about some of the nutrition and sleep aspect of physical fitness, uh, which is a great experience working with these guys and really made me appreciate um, having the ability and kind of the um, capacity to, to help mentor and help uh, other people and really kind of give back, uh, even though these guys aren't in the military, probably would never be in the military, but... Um, this might be their only experience they have with somebody, uh, only direct experience they have with somebody in the military. So it's great to kind of give, you know, like a positive experience to these guys and really kind of hopefully impart on them and give them some leadership skills and some 
insight into how they can develop into leaders and quite frankly the men that are productive members of society uh, that can kind of help uh, help into our future uh, but that was what we did last week and then this last weekend uh, I actually went up to the Poconos with my girlfriend and her family we kind of spent the day uh, the weekend up there just hanging out uh, in the um, in the wilderness kind of we had this like little cabin uh, sitting in the woods it was really isolated but it was super nice uh, it was kind of cool like temperature wise cool um, and what I did is I actually sat there and read a book for an entire day from pretty much when I woke up at 8 o'clock in the morning until uh, a dinner like at 6 o'clock at night I sat there and read a book and it was crazy uh, I just read John Steinbeck's uh, East of Eden and I was I couldn't put it down. I was absolutely enthralled by the book. Um, I don't really want to give like a book review or book summary, uh, but I think what I want to do is kind of give you guys a brief overview of the book, and then what I liked about the book, some of its themes in the book, and then talk about stuff that it made me think about, because I thought about a lot of things after I read the book. So basically, uh, East of Eden um, was written by John Steinbeck uh, in high school. Um, you know, we had required readings in high school, and I remember being made to read Grapes of Wrath by him. And honestly, I hated Grapes of Wrath. It was like, um, it was so painful to read. I couldn't, I, it was just so painful. Um, it might have been like a good story in terms of, you know, Depression Age America and. Uh, having to deal with hardships and like staking with families and it was just it just drug on and on and on and I just couldn't stand it and it really put such a sour taste in my mouth for Steinbeck but uh, when I was in Washington um, I one of my f favorite hobbies to do was actually to stop in used bookstores um, I love reading but probably the last year I really tried to expand my scope of reading um, I used to just read for pleasure in terms of reading fiction. Um, I love like science fiction uh, and a lot of just like kind of mystery novels, uh, but nothing really that challenges my thinking or really teaches me anything about myself. It's mostly just like kind of mindless reading, just entertaining to kind of escape from reality for a little bit, uh, kind of like watching TV. But anyways, so I stopped in this used bookstore in Washington, uh, up in Seattle. It's called Secondhand Books. And I was really just kind of walking through. Um, and then randomly, this is crazy. I don't know what motivated me or made me stop there. But I stopped in front of a bookshelf. And then it was an alphabetical order. It was under S's. And I looked and I was like, oh, Steinbeck. I remember reading Steinbeck in, college, uh, in high school. And I was like kind of glancing over the books. And then I saw East of Eden. And I'm not sure why I picked this book. Um, I remember like some of my buddies recommended it, uh, recommended it to me. So I was like, you know what, you know, I don't really like like Steinbeck a lot as a writer, but I'll give it a shot. So I bought the book. It was like eight bucks. Another reason why I love used bookstores. Books are super cheap. It's like a fraction that price you pay at like Barnes Noble or any other online or direct retailer for a brand new book. But this was a great book, so I kind of brought it back from Washington. Didn't really crack into it, didn't really read it, but then I brought it with me on vacation up to the Poconos. And I guess I was kind of bored one the one morning, 
and I brewed my cup of coffee and I sat down and started reading it and like within the first chapter I was hooked um the prose that he writes in is like beautiful um and it's kind of might be kind of lame for me to say that like his writing is beautiful but um the way that he describes things the way that he creates scenery like I could picture in my mind exactly what was going on uh and I was pretty quickly lost in the story so basically the story is about uh it's like a generational novel uh talking about two different families and kind of their interactions with one another and how uh family values and how family structures can play into generational uh generational issues and even lead into um personal issues and kind of personal conflicts based on how you were raised basically it follows uh the trask family and the hamilton family which are kind of vastly different families in terms of how they're raised. So the Trask family was raised by a dad um, who was very, I guess, paternalistic and that he was in the military, um, was wounded, and then um, really, I guess, felt short, was like, uh, felt like he didn't live up to his potential as a military man and quite frankly pretended that he was this influential private that was in all these battles and then he aspired to be this military man and then as a result raised his sons to be the same but with one of the sons he kind of gave all his attention all his love to one son and kind of spurned the other son so this is kind of the theme of the entire book is um love and choosing who you give love to and who you kind of withdraw love from and attention from so this raises like a huge, like multiple conflicts with the brothers, and then boils down to the second generation, where Adam Trask um, has two sons, and he does the same thing with them in terms of he gives one all the love and attention, and kind of ignores the other one, and then that leads to uh, interpersonal strife between these two brothers and kind of how they uh, deal with this situation, and then. Uh, Steinbeck uses the allegory of Cain and Abel from Genesis, talking about how um, God showed favor to Abel and didn't show favor to Cain. And as a result, Cain kills Abel, and then God curses uh, Cain to kind of wander the earth by himself uh, to the east of Eden. So the, this uh, allegory is present in, the, in all of east of Eden. It's such a powerful story of how... Uh, by choosing uh, as an authority figure or as a parent, choosing who gives your attention and who doesn't give your doesn't get your attention results in such um, drastic and life changing consequences. Not that you might have not that you might have known uh, off the bat, but then down the line and in the future, how these manifest themselves in uh, in future generations. It was such a crazy thing to think about um i mean you don't really think about how you were raised until you become an adult and then you kind of wonder what made you who you are and that's something that i've been thinking about lately and a lot is what made me who i am today um was it how my parents raised me that that uh molded me into the man i am today or is it something else that i don't know 
that or was it like my peers in high school or my peers in middle school that kind of were my friends that really molded me into who I am today. And it's really hard to kind of discern and get into the bottom of it. Uh, but anyway, as a Steinbeck, what he really argues is that or really kind of the thesis of this novel is that uh, we all have a choice uh, in what we do in our life and that we have a choice in either to succumbing to our animal instincts or cruel side or we have a choice to follow the harder and the higher and more nobler choice of choosing kind of the right path and doing the right things. Such a I I love that idea of that we all inherently have a choice and he frames in the choice of like original sin and kind of um, biblical framing but I think it's uh, applicable to everyday life and that whenever we make a choice we always have the freedom to make that choice whether or not we do the right thing or the wrong thing at the end of the day we always have the choice to make the decision so such a it's such a crazy thing to kind of think about because we always think that we're kind of um, almost constrained by our nature or our identity that we're bound to carry out certain certain decisions or act a certain way um, but at the end of the day we always have a choice uh, and I think people and I think this is like kind of relevant in today's society where people uh, talk about how people are products of the environment and that, um, you know, that that's their excuse for why we have crime or why, or why people aren't able to do the right thing. But yes, we are products of our environment. And yes, we are kind of shaped by the environment that we live in. But we still have the choice. Like we have to make the conscious decision of doing certain things, whether or not our environment kind of pushes us in that direction, or if it's uh, if it's actually inherent in our nature to to, to follow that uh, decision. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, really interesting to me to kind of think about and ponder, because uh, you know, as human beings, we're sentient. We have the ability to understand what's right and wrong, um, but that's like a different discussion into the, like the deontological reasons why something's right and wrong but i think everyone knows like what is right and wrong so we all have a decision to make whether or not we choose the right decision or the wrong decision based on our i guess conscious effort and it might even be unconscious uh and that we choose something that's easier rather than something that's harder but i thought it was just a, a great absolutely beautifully written novel and something that really made me think a lot about uh, kind of how I was raised and what I can do better and what I can do differently or better with my own children in the future to make sure that um, this uh, this theme doesn't live itself out in my children and cause like generational issues. So there's a couple of things that I took away from this book. The first thing is not to let my preconceptions really change or alter my possible future conceptions. So like in high school, I hated Grapes of Wrath and really Steinbeck had such a sour taste in my mouth. I never read Of Mice and Men, which I guess should be the next thing I need to read. Uh, but I didn't read 
that I never had use of Eden because my, you know, my notion or my understanding of Steinbeck was so soured by Grapes of Wrath that I just never even thought about exploring this book and I missed the opportunity, like the years of opportunities to read this book and really learn from it and I really challenge myself and really think about my own upbringing and kind of my own nature and my own uh I guess reflect on like my own my myself my what makes me so that's kind of my first takeaway from the book from reading this book is that I need to do a better job of exploring my own uh preconceived notions and my own thoughts and my own biases really because um whether we know it or not we all have our own preconceptions and biases that are at the end of the day either right or most likely wrong um, they might be right but biases are biases and they affect our everyday life uh, so this comes down to a little bit of the self-awareness and the ability to see and to uh, really understand yourself and see if you have any of these biases um, that might be changing how you affect your everyday life and how you affect your interactions with other people so that was my first kind of takeaway is that I shouldn't really buy into my own biases and that when I do have a bias, I should really, or I have a preconceived notion of something, I really need to sit down and re-examine, my, re-examine why I have this thought about it and then really dig into it and see if this is a founded or unfounded bias and whether or not I should change this bias or notion. Um, so... Now I'm kind of motivated to kind of look back on all the literature that I read in high school that I didn't like, and I think I should revisit it. Um, I think it's really a good idea to kind of go back and read things or do things that you did before when you were younger, and then look at it now, now that you're older. Like I read Grapes of Wrath when I was like probably like 16, and now I'm 29, it's like 13, 14 years later. And it's crazy that um, how much my perspective has changed. Like, I, I guess I should reread Groups of Wrath to see what I think about it now. But um, so crazy to think that I've been missing out on this great novel all this time because of one simple, or not one simple, but like one isolated incident where I read Groups of Wrath. Um, the second big takeaway. I wanted to get out of this book, that I got out of this book, was a takeaway that we all have a choice, and that everything in life, regardless of how hard or how easy it is or right or wrong something is, we all have a choice, whether that is to succumb to our to our basic nature, our animalistic side, or to choose the higher path of doing the right thing. So... I don't know. It made me kind of think about all the choices that we make in everyday life, whether it's unconscious or conscious, and that we need to make choices that are good choices, uh, choices that we would be proud of making, that and that align with who we are as people, and that align with our identities. Um, so this kind of comes back into my choice, my the choices that I make on a daily basis to really chase excellence and to be the best version of myself that I can be. 
Um, and I look at that in terms of my personal relationships and my habits that I that I uh, do throughout the day, how I eat, how I sleep, how I read, how I study, how I interact with people, you know. And it's really interesting to really ponder if everything I'm doing throughout the day, if they align with who I choose to be, who I want to be and my ideal identity. But anyways, that was just something that I've been kind of thinking about is and pondering is are the choices that I've been making every day or that have I been making the right choices or have I been kind of succumbing to um, kind of my more basic side and basic instincts. So that's my biggest second takeaway from this book. The third takeaway I got from this book is like the power of love, man. Um, as kind of lame as it is to say or kind of, uh, not lame, but like kind of, uh, I guess like kind of emotional to say. It is crazy if you think about it how much attention and love shown by your parents can make such a huge impact in who you are as a person and as an individual. <laughs> I guess kind of the thing about, the, you know, there is like a lot of theories into the, the decline of uh, decline of America and that there the lack of like masculinity, quote unquote masculinity, um, is what is leading to the downfall of our American and Western civilization. But it's kind of interesting thinking about uh, all these stories that Steinbeck tells are based on the love that a father shows his own child, and that kind of makes me really makes me really think about how important it is to feel loved by your father. In the novel, he talks about uh, how his one son uh, was always competing with the other son uh, for the attention and love of his father. Uh, he went out of his way to kind of show his father that he loved him by working extra hard to get uh, to get his father present. Yet the favorite son got him like uh, like a dog, like a puppy that he didn't have to work for. But the father like loved that dog more than anything else, and it kind of illustrated how our unintentional actions can have widespread effects. So it kind of made me. Th- kind of wonder and to kind of think how I will be as a father myself and that we always talk about you know or not we but like people always talk about as parents they always have a favorite uh whether it's intentional or unintentional I think we're kind of drawn to having a favorite child but as you can as I've noticed in this book and can I imagine um having a favorite child can lead or has some drastic outcomes in the development of that child and the other children. Uh, so it kind of made me think about how I want to act as a father to my children and whether or not I need to, whether or not I should really show favoritism or if I should just be able to love all my children equally. Um, but something that I've just been thinking about, I don't really know uh, how I'm going to act because obviously I don't have any kids, but I definitely plan on having kids in the future. That's something that I've been kind of thinking a lot lately too, is what kind of father I'm going to be for my children um, and what kind of parent I'm going to be. And whether or not I should really show any favoritism, really show um, 
a favor another children over another. So I don't know. I don't know if this is like good content or um, really informational, but something that I've been kind of pondering myself. Uh, so those are my kind of three major takeaways from this book is that um, first thing is like not to let preconceived notions really dictate how I should act in my everyday life and how might these preconceived notions might ruin or potentially never let me experience the joy and emotion of uh, something because I've I have this idea that it's not good it's like with this book because I had such a strong preconceived notion of John Steinbeck uh, I didn't I neglected reading this book for the last 10 years and um, it is was such a good book um, that made me really appreciate uh, and really kind of feel, I don't know, like I've wasted or missed such a great opportunity for personal development. The second thing I took away from this book is the power of choice and that within, within us, we all have the power of choosing right or wrong and that we have the ability uh, for both good and bad in each and every one of us. So I think we should kind of stay to the light and stay to our good side and really make decisions that support the good side of us rather than succumbing to the bad side. Kind of the last thing is like probably the most esoteric, but it was the power of love and really the um, power that parents play in the development of their children uh, and then future generations of children. Uh, something that I don't, I think people don't really think about that how you raise your child plays into how they raise their child and the children after them. So you literally, as a parent, you might be controlling the next three or four generations of how your family and how your offspring kind of develop. So it's kind of a really hefty and huge thing to ponder and huge responsibility really to ponder. Uh, it makes me really think about how I should be as a parent and what to do in the future. But yeah, those are kind of my three takeaways from this big from this from this book. Um, if you haven't read it, I would highly recommend going out, getting it, and reading it, um, and really taking the time to read something different from what you normally read. Um, here at Cronus, we definitely talk a lot about reading books, personal development, and self development. And we, both Sean and I, love reading books. We both have, like, um, I guess, themes that we like to read. Like, Sean loves to read nonfiction books about history and politics. I like to read lots of nonfiction books about, like, psychology and science. Uh, but every once in a while, it's good to read something that kind of challenges you and makes you change kind of how you look at things and really uh, how you read. Uh, I think there's pretty good evidence and pretty good science out there that tells us reading and experiencing different things will activate different parts in your brain and make your brain more plastic and more um, just better to respond and better thinking and more flexible in its thinking. Uh, so I think every now and then you should definitely pick up a book that's outside of your norm and read it and really see what you think. Um, I don't think you have to finish every book that you start. Um, it's probably like 50 to 75% of books that I pick up and start reading that I never finish or I put down and abandon for a different book and come back to it another time just because 
Um, I don't think I should force myself into read something that um, I'm not getting anything out of because uh, it's just not, I'm not being mindful and not really uh, putting myself into that book. Um, so anyways, that's another challenge that I have for you guys, or kind of the biggest challenge I have for you guys is to read, even though you might not like reading, you need to pick up a book and read it and really try to, to challenge yourself and to develop yourself. Uh, I think books are an amazing tool, not only to learn about something new, but it makes you think about yourself, makes you ponder, makes you challenge, it challenges how you think, um, and kind of makes me really appreciate a lot. Some, it gives me some new viewpoints on which I can view the world. Uh, so kind of to wrap things up, uh, East of Eden, great book, highly recommend it. Uh, go to your neighborhood used bookstore and check out the used books and see uh, if there's anything cool or anything that you haven't read before and then give it a shot. You might not, you never know uh, where it'll take you. It might start a new passion in you for something new that you never thought you had the passion for. So I'll conclude this podcast. Uh, I guess it wasn't as applicable or uh, sciencey or anything, but uh, from my perspective, it gave me another way of kind of thinking about uh, kind of gathering my own thoughts and kind of talking about how I felt about the book. Um, I know this po- in terms of podcasting, this probably isn't the best content for you guys, but um, I thought it was a good exercise for me at least to really think about and trying to draw some conclusions that can pass on to you guys as our listeners. Uh, as always, you can hit us up online at chronosfit.org. Email us hq at coronasfit.org or on Instagram at coronasfit. Until next time, guys. Later. Just stop.